are we working here? If you have any complaints about uh, the length of today's service, it's orca at gmail.com. <laughs> have you ever heard the doxology? You remember that when we used to sing that? There was a story that used to go around, and it was about a visiting pastor who went to a church. And uh, the song leader got up to lead the singing, and he said, okay, we're going to sing the doxology. Welcomed everyone, and he said, stand, and let's sing the doxology. Everyone stood turned around and looked at the back wall and sang the doxology. The visiting pastor kind of craned his head and tried to see what was on the back wall, and there was nothing. It was painted white. So he went ahead and preached his message and did his thing, and at the end of that message, uh, he talked to the song leader, and he said, uh, I, I couldn't help but notice that when we did the doxology, everybody stood up and turned around and looked at the back wall. He goes, oh, yeah, he said, the words used to be painted on the back wall, he says, and so we always stood up and looked, and he said, since it's been painted over, we still do it out of habit. We just turn around and look. Well, this morning we're going to look at a very familiar text. I hope that it doesn't create such familiarity to you that you're, you're just out of habit saying, oh, I've heard this before. And it's a doxology. It's Psalm 100. It's a psalm of praise. C.H. Spurgeon wrote this. He says, it is ablaze with grateful adoration a psalm of praise and thanksgiving. The doxology, doxology, of course, is praise God from whom all blessings flow. Praise him, all creatures here below. Praise him above ye heavenly host. Praise Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. In essence, that's what happens in Psalm 100. So I'm hopeful that we can look at something very familiar and bring some wonderful reminders to you. So this morning, if you would open your Bibles and look at Psalm 100, verses 1 and 2, you'll discover three marks of a thankful heart. Three marks of a thankful heart. The first mark is to shout for joy. Shout for joy. The verse says, make a joyful noise unto the Lord, all the earth. Uh, That's exactly what it is. Uh, Derek Kidner, in his commentary on this psalm, says, the psalmist is not referring to the special contribution of the tone death. Sometimes that's what we think, you know, I can't sing, but I can make a noise. It's not what he's referring to. He's referring to a shout or a fanfare for a king. When the king arrives, this is a glad shout from his subjects who give the king his recognition, his due for what he has come. I'm hopeful that in this one statement, make a joyful noise to the Lord, all the earth, uh, that you're able to pick up on the exuberance of the heart of the psalmist. Uh, This is not a personality thing. You know, oftentimes when you, you see words like shout and noise, you think, well, you know, that's just not my personality. But it can be your heart. It can be what's inside your heart because you recognize the arrival and the reality of the king in your life. You see, he says here, make a joyful noise to the Lord. What other kind would we make for God? When he's here, when we accept and recognize his presence, isn't it a joyful noise? Think about the children of Israel. Remember when they were walking around Jericho? God had instructed them to march around the city. They shouted for joy in anticipation of the victory. Or you think about Hannah in 1 Samuel. She was the one that went into the temple and she prayed and begged God, please give me a son. And when God answered her prayer, she shouted for joy. It was a joyful shout of praise. Someone has said this, in the music of life are minor notes, 
but there should also be swelling notes of triumph. Shout, make a joyful noise to the Lord. It is to the Lord. Now, there's an interesting thing that sometimes happens with our ever-cycling news system, right? We think that the, uh, the shout of joy is going to be dependent upon Republicans or Democrats, right? But he says, no, the shout for joy is dependent upon the king, the God of glory. It is his kingdom. He is here. We shout for joy because of him. He says, shout to the Lord. In the text, if you notice, Lord is written in all capital letters. That's the word Yahweh. It's the, the I am that was given to Moses. It's the covenant-keeping God who reveals himself that says, I'm here, I'm here. I am, I am uh, obvious to you, and we shout for joy to that Lord. This is Yahweh. And he says to the, us, he says, make a joyful noise, shout to the, to the Lord, all the earth, all the earth. Uh, you know this already, but let me remind you that God has said to us, go ye into all the world and preach the gospel and make disciples. The reason why at Grace Chapel there's the Orca Center, there's trips to Nigeria and Mexico, and there are youth and there are other things, the reason for that is to create a congregation of singers that will shout for joy that the Lord is here. You see, we, we are doing, as Chuck said, we are going out, we are reaching out, to create those ones that are going to be able to shout for joy, to have thankful hearts. The golden age of nations will not come until everyone has experienced the repentance and redemption that comes through Jesus Christ who died on the cross for our sins. The first mark of a thankful heart is you shout. You make a joyful noise. Notice the second mark of a joyful heart or a thankful heart. It says, serve the Lord with gladness. Serve the Lord with gladness. Now, if you'll indulge me for just a moment on a teaching point. Uh, in the Old Testament, what happened when the Old Testament was there were a group of Greek scholars who wanted to translate the Old Testament into Greek. It was called the Septuagint. And when they came to this word, serve, they translated it worship. Worship. You know, serve the Lord. Worship the Lord. Uh, the idea here is to enslave or to obey, obey to, to worship him, to serve him. And if you know anything about worship, worship is all about us putting ourselves down in reflection to how great God is, right? And I'm not mean putting yourself down as I'm, I'm a moron, I'm stupid, that kind of thing. That's not what I mean by put ourselves down. But I mean we bow before his presence to adore him, to worship him. The same thing happens in service. We are bowing before him in service, a very familiar text to us is Romans chapter 12, verse 1. And in the English Standard Version, they translate the end of it, which is your spiritual service, not worship, but worship. <laughs> They're synonymous. When I serve, I worship. Uh, worship is daily. Service is daily. What we have done in singing, we worship God in singing. We worship God in the orchestra center. We worship God in preaching. We worship God in living every day of our life is in service or worship to God. You say, whoa, that's a lot of pressure. That's a lot of pressure to every day be worshiping God, to be serving him. Let me tell you this. I, I teach school, and there are two questions that I get a lot. One question is when a student is absent, they walk in and they say, uh, did we do anything yesterday? And, and, of course, you know, my response is no, nothing. When we realized that you weren't here, 
We sat in silence, hopelessly lost without any of your guiding force to help us through the day. <laughs> so they want to know, well, did we do anything? The other question I get, uh, and I get this one every day, one of my bells, I get this question. What are we doing today, right? What are we doing today? We don't have to ask that question. We know what we're doing. You see, God has given us a plan. He has given us something to do. I don't have anything to do today. You do. So there's no pressure. There is a plan for you. There is a program. There is something that is available to you. We're doing today is we're serving the Lord. We're worshiping him. There's no such thing as a meaningless day in the life of a Christian. A follower of Christ never has a meaningless moment because we are worshiping and serving the Lord. He is our Lord. He is our master. We serve him. Uh, Serve the Lord with gladness. Do you see that? Joyful gladness. (laughs) So much for being grumpy today, right? We serve him with gladness. Serve the Lord with gladness. The servants and his worship is to be done with gladness. He's a gracious Lord. He's a benevolent one. You can look down in verses 4 and 5 and you find out that the Lord is good. The Lord is faithful. Why not be glad to serve a a, a master such as him? We serve him with gladness. Uh, I have been both an usher at a wedding and a pallbearer at a funeral. I would much rather be the usher at a wedding It's so much more exciting, right? There's something in anticipation of the joy that's going to happen. Uh, That's what we are. We are ushers at a wedding. We are ushering people into the presence of God and allowing them to experience uh, what it is that he has for them. Serve the Lord. Worship the Lord with gladness. You've probably had this happen to you. You know, you go to a restaurant. And you're going there because you didn't want to cook or you wanted to, you know, you're kind of tired. And the waiter or the waitress sits down and tells you about their day. Has that ever happened to you? And it's never good, right? <laughs> oh, are you kidding me? My feet are killing me. My back, are you, this is my, I have to work a double. It's just been a bad day. You're thinking, okay, I don't need to eat today. And you want to leave. The servant that comes with gladness. The worshiper that comes with gladness, with joy. God has purchased us with his blood, the blood of his son, Jesus Christ. He has left us with the word of God and the power of the Holy Spirit. How are we using those things? How are we serving him? How are we worshiping him? One day will we hear those glorious words, well done, thou good and faithful servant, because we have served the Lord with gladness. God does not need us. God wants us. God has given us the opportunity to be with him. The third mark of a thankful heart is found in verse 2 as well. Uh, The third mark of a thankful heart is come into his presence with singing. Uh, The third thing is uh, singing. Sing. Only the right heart can come into his presence. It is the heart of understanding that through Jesus Christ, I have been granted access into his presence. Romans chapter 5 verse 1 tells us that. We have access to God through grace. We have access into his presence. And when we come into his presence, we come with singing. The psalmist writes, singing 
which is like this, this outburst of delight. There is a, a thrill because we understand that we are coming into the presence of God only because of the liberation and the freedom that he has given to us. We have been liberated. We have been set free because of what Jesus Christ has done for us. This singing, this song that we have comes because of the thrill of rescue. Uh, Think about uh, Moses. Remember when Moses and the children of Israel came to the Red Sea and it was parted by God's marvelous miracle and they walked across. They got to the other side. Do you remember what they did? They sang the song of Moses. (laughs) They were thrilled by the deliverance, by the rescue. We need to understand that God has delivered us. And as a result of his deliverance, we come into his presence with singing. Isaac Watts is a hymn writer that many of you have probably heard of. And on one occasion, a beautiful lady, her name was Elizabeth Singer, fell in love with Watts through his poetry. She had never met him. She had only read his poetry. When she sought him out, he immediately fell in love with her. However, she turned down his proposal of marriage after they had time together. And if you ever read any of the descriptions of Isaac Watts, he was not a very attractive-looking man. And she said this to Watts. She said, I only wish I could say that I admire the casket as much as I admire the jewel. In other words, I love the words that you're sharing with me, but man, you just don't look like what I thought you would. And maybe out of this experience or other experiences, Watts was able to come to the conclusion and realize that there's more important things in life than earthly beauty and physical happiness. As he expressed in his song, we're marching to Zion. He says this, he says, Come we that love the Lord and let our joys be known. Join in a song with sweet accord and thus surround the throne. And then in the refrain, he says this, We're marching to Zion. Beautiful, beautiful Zion. We're marching upward to Zion, that city, that beautiful city of God. You say, but brother, I can't sing. I have a college roommate, and he always says this. He says, I can't drag a tune, let alone carry one. I don't think that's what he's saying here. I think what he's saying here is when your heart comes to an understanding of the rescue that you have experienced and you're in the presence of God because of his deliverance, you can't help but sing. Uh, That's what he's sharing with us. He's helping us to understand that we have uh, these marks on our thankful heart. Uh, We know and we understand that God has done these things for us and bringing us deliverance to us. Recently, uh, author and theologian Eugene Peterson passed on to glory At his funeral, his son, Leif, shared that his dad only had one sermon or one message. He said it was a secret that he often whispered over his son as he went, uh, put him in bed each night. He said, God loves you. God is on your side. He is coming after you. He is relentless. This morning, we are thankful. Our hearts are swollen with joy. And as a result of what it is that God has done for us through Jesus Christ, we can't help but speak spill out a shout, a service, a song. You see, it's not about your circumstance. I I cannot even begin to imagine some of the circumstances that you have come out of to be here this morning. 
And I'm sure those circumstances are very difficult. And this psalmist is not talking one thing about circumstance. Instead, he's talking about Jesus Christ in looking ahead. He's talking about what it is that God has done and will do in your life. And you are joyful over that. And this morning, I am hopeful that as a result of understanding a thankfulness that comes through these things, that you will be able to get to where God can use you. Isaac Watts, his song, We're Marching to Zion. Uh, Zion is heaven. That's what he's talking about. We're marching to Zion. We're marching to heaven, right? There's one interesting verse in that hymn. It says this, Let those refuse to sing who never knew our God. This morning, perhaps the reason why you don't sing is because you don't know who God is. This morning, let me invite you to know Jesus Christ, who will take you into the presence of God. Uh, Merely trusting, believing in what Jesus can do and what he has done on the cross is what takes you into the presence of God. This morning, I invite you to meet him. Let's pray together. Father, thank you so much for the goodness and the graciousness and the kindness that you demonstrate to us by revealing yourself to us in the word of God. Father, we just pray that this morning that these words make a joyful noise to the Lord all the earth, serve the Lord with gladness, come into his presence with singing, allow those words to make a difference in our lives so that we are thankful. And Lord, if there is someone here today that doesn't know our God, Uh, encourage them, prompt them by your spirit to trust in Jesus Christ as their Savior. Well, thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. Have a wonderful weekend.